We have uh, been talking here the past uh, three weeks. Today's the fourth week. We've been talking about uh, this this kind of a lost art, a lost heart, a lost uh, discipline uh, of fasting and fasting coupled with prayer. And I know a lot of y'all have been uh, fasting and, and, and praying different things throughout the Lenten season. And as you, um, yeah, just for different things, uh, some of your families or, or Sunday school classes or house churches are getting together to, uh, to fast over different areas and to pray for different things. Um, we've been talking here about uh, several things as it relates to fasting, things like why we do it and, and how it reflects a hunger and a pursuit of God, that for those, uh, of, uh, for those who are longing for more of Christ, fasting is a way of saying, God, this is how much I want you. And, and, and for those who maybe don't have that desire, fasting is a way uh, of physically putting uh, our spirits where our physical bodies are and saying, God, I want to desire you in, in this kind of a way. And so we talked about that, and then we talked about the different ways that God uh, moves and works and responds to our prayers that are coupled with fasting. He guides us and he grants us power. Uh, certain things, certain sins, certain habits can only be uh, broken down uh, by fasting and, and prayer. And we saw last week what it looks like to stand in the gap and fast on behalf of other people. And so today I want to kind of conclude this series, um, but I want to offer, uh, offer a challenge before we, before we go on to say, I, I know some of y'all began in this journey, uh, but have since stopped or felt like, you know what, I, I, I broke my fast and I'm done now. I want to challenge you and encourage you and push you uh, to get back onto that track. But I think one of the things I think one of the things that uh, marks our culture today is that we are a people who are, are, are so uncommitted to something for the long haul. I think because we're, we're, we're willing to just kind of uh, sit back in this culture of convenience and comfort, we miss out on so much of the things that God has promised for us, and we say it didn't work because I did this for three weeks, or I did this for two weeks, or I did this for a month, or I prayed about this for a year, and, and nothing happened. And I can't help but think how much we forfeit in grace because we have not lived out a long obedience in this same direction, as Peterson says again. Uh, a long obedience in the same direction, a, a disciplined walk uh, to be consistent in something for a long period of time. And I think because of that, because we fail to do that, we miss out on so much of the grace that God has for us and so much of what God wants to give to us and wants to give to the people that we love and the people that we're praying for because we give up too easily and we give in and take the path of least resistance rather than the path that leads to greatest persistence. And because of that, our spirituality so often is superficial and it's shallow and it's legalistic. So I want to encourage and challenge us to get back onto this, onto this track uh, for those who've been fasting and to say, I want to, I want to, I want to do it again. And so in the insert on your bulletin on the backside of the pastor's heart letter, there is an opportunity for you to uh, say, these are the things that I really want to fast and pray for. Maybe you need guidance. You need direction in a certain area. Or maybe you've got a, a sibling or a family member who's gone astray and you're, you're fighting and you're praying for their salvation. Or maybe you've got an addiction or a habit that you've tried and willpower and prayer alone has not been able to, to snap that for an extended period of time. Uh, I want to invite you to take some time to do this and 
Again, we had uh, in, in January, we had an opportunity for people to turn in their prayer requests. And there was probably about uh, some 30 to, to 40 prayer requests that came in. But uh, we want to, to pray for these things. I, wanna, I want you to pray for these things as well. And to know some of you have never experienced the joy and the, just the breathtaking power of seeing God answer a prayer that could only be attributed to God. Uh, you've seen maybe God help me to pass this test and you pass the test. And, and you say, well, that, that's pretty cool. But that's something that you could have probably not prayed for and still passed. But to see the power of God do something that could only be attributed to him. It is something that we, if we can get this and if we can grasp this and our view of God can become enlarged, then it will, it will put us on a path of, of just changing the way we see God and changing the way we see what God has called us to do and who he's called us to be. So I want to encourage you to take some time to fill that out. And then as you walk out the door, there'll be uh, baskets that you can put those in. Let me really uh, encourage you to do that. And, and for those who uh, come out on, on Wednesdays, these are things that we'll be praying for uh, together and in our times uh, in, uh, in, in corporate and in communal uh, worship as well. Okay, but today I, I want to conclude this series by talking about, you know, some of us have been fasting. Some of y'all have been fasting. Um, how we can fast and yet still dishonor God. Did you know that that's possible, that we could be making all of these sacrifices for God? And then at the end of the day, he says, you did not honor me with this. Um, Isaiah chapter 58, uh, verses 1 through 5, this is where we want to look. And I want to try and make it as, as uh, highly practical as we can. Isaiah 58, verses 1 through 5, this is God's word through the prophet as it relates to the Israelites in their habit of fasting. Verse 1 says, Shout it aloud. Do not hold it back. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem so eager, seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this a kind of fast I've chosen, only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? This is God's word. This is a portion of God's word here. It's interesting because these Israelites have been fasting, just like you and me. They've been fasting. They gave up their food. They gave up their uh, soda. They gave up their alcohol. They gave up their vices. They gave up their play, PlayStation 2, whatever it is that that you gave up, they gave up the same things. And at the beginning of chapter 58, God says to them, he said, hey, bring all the people together. I got a little song. I've got an announcement to make. Bring everyone together. Got something to tell you guys. So shout aloud. Don't hold it back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. To the people who've been fasting, and this was what he says, declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. What in the world was it about their fasting? Because you see, it, it, it's almost, it, it seems like it doesn't, it doesn't fit here because soon after in verse 2, it says, look at what it says about them. It says, they seek me out. They want to know my ways. 
They want to have just decisions made. They are delighting in God coming near to them. Isn't this what we look at and say, these people would be very godly people. We want to do what is right. We get blessed. We, we love when God draws near to us. We want to walk the path that God has for us. We're, we're, we're willing to do all these things. We're seeking after God. But God says, you know what? It's all bankrupt. It's like you, you've got all this money. You think you've got all this money. You're playing Wheel of Fortune. You, you, you spin the thing and then you land on bankrupt. And God says, you've got nothing. In fact, you have dishonored me with your fasting. Why? What was it about their fasting that was so uh, repulsive in the sight of God that caused them to say that you're rebelling against me and that you're sinning against me? Three things that we see here in this passage that I think will help to inform our fasting as well so that at the end of your time of fasting, God doesn't say um, you dishonored me with what you did. The first thing, we dishonor God when we fast when we fast to impress others. It says in verse 2, uh, day after day, they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions, seem eager for God to come near them. For the Israelites, as they were fasting, it was good enough for them that they seemed eager and hungry to know God. It was good enough to them that to other people, people looked at them and said, you know what? They look like they've got it, go- they've got it right. They look like they've got it all together. They look like they're really seeking after God. This gets to the issue of our motivation here. Let me ask you, as you've been fasting, what was your motivation for doing it? What drove you to do it? Is it because uh, all of your friends were doing it and you would feel like you were less spiritual if you didn't do it? Is it because your, uh, your, your parents found out that your Sunday school class was doing it and they asked you what you're fasting and you said nothing? And so you decided that you wanted to do something so that you could somehow impress your parents. Or, or, or somehow people find out what you're fasting. They're like, oh my gosh, that's, so, that's such a big thing that you're giving up. And so people in this context, in this community of faith, where in order to, to, to be seen as, as acceptable, you've got to be doing a certain thing. And, and people look at you and they're like, wow, they really made a, a big sacrifice for the, for the sake of Christ. And we nullify, we dishonor God with our fasting when we fast in order to impress other people. And these kinds of people deep down in their hearts, they want Folks to say, hey, are you giving up anything? What did you give up? What are you fasting? If it's food, they want people to say, hey, why, are you, why, why do you look so tired today? Or why, why does it seem like you're losing so much weight? Or why does it seem like, uh, how come we're all eating and, and, and you're not eating? I deep in, the, in, in our hearts, sometimes we want to impress other people. We want people to ask us and, and we say, why, why, why are you doing these things? And well, since you're asking... Since you're, since you're asking, I'm, I'm fasting, you know, just as my way of, of loving God. I know you're not doing it. That's okay. But I am. And deep in our hearts, maybe part of it is our desire to impress other people. That not only have you given up this thing, but you've given up five other things as well. I know not, not everyone is like this. I, it, of course not everyone is like this. But there are some of us who are. 
just as there were in the people of Israel. There were some who were doing it right, with a right attitude. It wasn't just about the practice. It was about the purpose behind it. it Jesus would later go on to say in, in the Sermon on the Mount, do you remember this? It says, when you fast, I don't make your face look somber. Don't disfigure your face. It said, go wash your hair, wash your face, put oil on it so it looks like you've had just, you've been eating all day. Don't let other people see it because if you fast, to gain a reward from other people. If you fast to impress other people, then God, your Father, will not give you a reward. It's, it's, it's actually that simple. It says you will either fast to receive a reward from people or you'll fast to receive a reward from God. It's one of two things. And if you want your reward from people, then you will disqualify yourself from having the reward of God. If you want the reward of God, then you will disqualify yourself from having the reward from people. It's that simple. A few days ago, a few weeks ago, actually, um, Chipotle was giving out these free uh, coupons for free burritos. You guys know this, right? Because if you're not fasting Facebook, then you know, because everyone was kind of spreading it around like a germ. And so I was at church one day and um, some of our youth were just kind of hanging out. I was in my office and uh, some folks were like, hey, we're going to go to Chipotle. And so uh, I had a coupon, so I printed it out. And they're like, you think we can make copies of this? I said, I, you know, I'm sure you can make copies of it, whether they take it or not, it's another story. So um, they said, well, let's make copies. And I called Chipotle and I said, hey, uh, we've got this free burrito coupon. They're like, yeah, you know, we get tons of those. I said, is it possible for us to make Xerox copies of these things and to use them? And the guy, he taught, he, I was on the phone for like four minutes. He was trying to explain it. He's like, uh, the upshot was technically it's one barcode per customer. I'm sorry, one barcode per free a burrito thing you can if you have the same barcode you can only use it one time then he went on to say but if you use it i don't think anyone's checking I said okay that's cool and so they made copies and they took it and they came back with a bunch of burritos so apparently it worked but imagine you, you got this thing and you take it you get your free burrito and someone else has a copy of the same barcode and you give it to them and you're like hey i want my free burrito and they charge you for two burritos rather than one and you're like um but i thought this burrito was free and they're like sorry this has already been redeemed and you've already received the reward for this coupon and how disappointed would you be because you can't use that reward more than one time this is in the same way when it comes to our spiritual disciplines when it comes to our relationship with god how, how tragic would it be we're fasting right and we're, we're praying for the salvation of somebody's soul but at the same time, deep in our heart, what we want even more than that is we want other people to say, wow, you're so spiritual. And so we, we, we come and we're fasting and, and we're fasting for these things. And, and yet at the same time, we want the reward from people. And so people say, wow, you know what? You're really spiritual. And then you come to God and you pray and God says, you know what? You've already received your reward. And how tragic would that be? But you can only have one or the other. You can't redeem your fasting twice. It's really simple. You can't have your reward from people and then have your reward from God also. This is a problem with the fasting of the Israelites. This is a problem with uh, the fasting of some people today also. And this is the kind of fasting that dishonored God. That's the first thing. The second thing, you look at it in verse 3. Um, the second thing that we're going to see is we dishonor God when we're fasting, when we forget about God when we fast. Okay. Verse 3. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? 
Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. We, we dishonor God when we fast. They're like, God, we did all these. We fee fasted, verse 3. How come you haven't seen it? We humbled ourselves and, and it's like you haven't even noticed us. He says, here's why. Because you forgot about me while you fasted. For the Israelites, their fasting was just a normal day, except they didn't eat. That's all it was. That's all it was. Just an everyday normal day, except they didn't eat anything. We dishonor God when we fast, when that's what we do. We say at the beginning of our fast, God, all this is for you. I'm doing this for you because I want to know you more, because I want to love you more. But then as the day goes on, we don't give second thought to who God is. He's saying, is it just the outward thing that I want? Or is it the heart that I want? Is it just you giving up food that, that makes this thing special? Is that all it's about? Because you say it's about me, but when all is said and done, it's more about the food or about you or about something else than it is about me. If you can imagine, uh, there's a guy, I don't know, we'll call him, maybe his name will be Freddy. So I, don't wanna, I don't think we have any Freddies here. So Freddy is hanging out at church with his buddies one day. And Freddy, um, he's got a birthday coming up on Thursday. And so his friends say, hey, Freddy, Freddy, what are you doing for your birthday? He's like, I'm not, I'm not doing, I don't have any plans. They're like, hey, why don't we go out for your birthday? Let's just get a group of people and, and we'll go out. And he's like, oh, that's awesome. They're like, w- where do you want to go? Like, I really like, uh, I, I really like go- uh, Golden Corral. So we'll go to Golden Corral. Like, okay, we'll send a text with the information. So uh, Monday comes around and one of the uh, ringleaders sends out an, uh, a text and says, hey, Freddie's birthday party, Golden Corral, Thursday at 5. Let's go and let's have a great time. And so everyone gets this message and they're really excited. And so everyone is on their way Thursday to Golden Corral to celebrate Freddie's birthday. Along the way, Freddie gets lost. And so he sends a text message to all of the people who are there. And he says, hey, a little bit lost. Can I get uh, the address? Can I get directions? But no one checks their cell phone. And no one checks their phone. And so here's Freddie. He's all by himself driving around central Florida trying to find Golden Crowd. But no one has responded to his text. An hour goes by and Freddie is still waiting. The rest of the people get there and they're like, I think we're all here. Let's... um." Let's grab a table and start eating. And so they get together and they start eating. It's about 10 of them. And, and they go and they get all of their food. And they're really excited. And they're having a great time as they, uh, some of them are watching the, the game that's on the TV that isn't that golden crowd, but pretend it is. So they're watching this game. And, and they're talking about all the great stuff that they're doing. And they're laughing. And Freddie's still driving around trying to find a place. No one has responded to his text. No one's looked at their, at their phone. So fi- finally he says, well, um, I'll call them. So he calls them and no one answers their phone. So 30 minutes more goes by, another hour, two hours go by, and finally Freddy stops and asks someone for directions, and then he finds his way to Golden Corral. And they're eating, and they're almost done eating, and Freddy rolls in, and, and they're like, oh, hey, there's Freddy. And someone goes, wasn't it, wasn't it Freddy's birthday? Like, oh, yeah. Hey, Freddy, welcome, welcome. Hey, um, how come you're so late? And I just got a little bit lost. Hey, yeah, come join us, come join us. But there's no room at the table. So they kind of like make this half-hearted effort to try and squeeze Freddy in, but they've eaten so much that they've all enlarged themselves. And so Freddy just kind of sits in a, in a corner by himself at his own table. So there's Freddy, and 
they're having a great time and casting glances at Freddie, and and then they start you know talking about sports, politics, and these things, and and then they 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 you know they they so much want to hang out. They don't want to go home, so they start telling these riddles. You know these riddles like Jack and Jill are uh, lying dead. There's a pool of water. And there's glass everywhere. And what happens? And, and so they're trying, asking all these questions, trying to figure it out. And, and Freddie walks by, and he's like, what are you guys talking about? They're like, shh, 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 come. We're trying to figure something out. And so Freddie's just kind of like watching, and, and he just kind of walks away after a while. And, and they figure it out, and, and, and they figure out this riddle, and they're all happy. And they're, oh, hey, it's, um, it's time to go. We've been here for a long time. Let's get our check. And so they get their check, and someone's like, hey, wasn't it Freddie's birthday today? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let's sing happy birthday to Freddie. And so they, they get like a, a cake from the dessert bar and they put a little candle in there that someone pulled out of their pocket. And they're singing happy birthday to Freddie and happy birthday, dear Freddie. Happy birthday to you. And everyone claps and Freddie blows out the imaginary uh, match that was not there. And so he's all, you know, they, they, and then someone goes, hey, Freddie, um, since it's your birthday, uh, I'm going to pay for your meal. I just want to let you know I, I love you, buddy, and gives him a hug and. They're walking out there. They move to the parking lot because this is where the second half of the party happens and just kind of hanging out in the parking lot. And someone says, hey, Freddie, um, hey, uh, happy birthday, man. Did you have a good time? And he's like, you know, um, actually, I, I, I didn't have a really good time. Like, why not? We had a great time. We all had a great time. Why, why not? Like, I thought, um, I thought this, this was supposed to be for me. But the whole time. Uh, I, I texted and I called and, and, and no one answered. I was trying to get your attention, but nobody talked to me. Nobody listened to me. Nobody uh, made time for me. I was just kind of sitting off in the corner all by myself. And you said this was all for me, but in reality, uh, you had completely forgotten about me. And this is how uh, the fasting of the Israelites was too. To God, all this, I'm doing this for you. Here it is. I'm not going to bite my fingernails because this is all for you. I'm not going to drink soda because this is all for you. I'm not going to eat on Wednesdays because this is all for you. I'm not going to go on the internet because this is all for you, God. But at the end of the day, at the end of the 40 days, at the end of whatever period of time, you're completely forgotten about God. Completely forgotten about God because it wasn't about him at all. Because you started out so well, this was supposed to be for me. But as you went along, you didn't spend any time in the word of God. It was just a normal day. You didn't spend any time in prayer. It was just a normal day. You didn't seek me the way that you were supposed to seek me. It was just a normal day. The only thing that was different was you didn't do certain things. And so God says, you forgot about me while you were fasting. And for many of us, we make it so much about the thing that we're giving up more so than it is about God. Isn't it true that if you're fasting food, you become so much more aware of the Domino's pizza or Papa John's delivery cars that go by? seems like there's a whole lot more on the street today than there were yesterday or the day I wasn't fasting. seems like people are inviting you to eat a whole lot more now than they were before you were fasting. Or it seems like the food they're eating is a whole lot better. All of a sudden, everyone in church is eating a whole lot better before, it was like, let's go to McDonald's. Now, it's like, let's go somewhere nice. And every time you close your eyes to pray, all you can see is steak. Right? All you can see is sushi and all these things floating around. And it's so much harder because we're, we're so, we close our eyes to fast. And instead of saying, God, this much I want you, it becomes God, this much I want food. 
And it's no longer about God. It's no longer about him. And we're, we're so thinking about how we can, what we're going to eat for our next meal. And it's so much more about that than it is about God. We sit there and we watch Food Network and we dream about, here's what I'm going to eat when I break my fast. We sit there and we, we, we look in our pantry, we look in our closet. A couple of us were talking about in our younger days how we used to fast. We would break fast at midnight and starting at 11 o'clock, we would get out all of our materials, the things that we're going to eat. And we would time it exactly so that the food would be done at 11.59 and 34 seconds so that we'd take 30 seconds to pray and then we would eat right without wasting any time. And maybe we're like that. We just feel, oh, God, I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry. I'm going to die. So I'm just going to watch this. And it's, it's so much more about food than it is about Jesus. And it's not that I can live on the very word that comes from the mouth of God, but it's I need the bread, the, 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 I need a food. I need bread alone. That's all I need. And other stuff I can do without because I've gone the entire day without talking to God, without praying, without seeking him. And God says at the end of the day, you, get, you cash that in. He says, you have dishonored me with your fast. I don't care how long you've done it or what you've given up. Right, you do it like that, you might as well not do it at all. Not saying that you shouldn't do it all, but we ought to change our hearts as we fast. Saying it's very easy for you to go through these motions and, and think you've got banked up $500,000 only your next wheel, only to realize that your next spin leaves you bankrupt. Right? Fasting is about God and it's about longing for more of him. And if we forget about God while we fast, then we have dishonored God. We've nullified the very thing, the very reason we entered into this thing to begin with. It's the second thing. And then the last thing we see, we dishonor God when we fast when we make fasting a substitute for obedience. The middle of verse three, yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You can't fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen only a day? For a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? Are they acceptable to the Lord? We dishonor God when we fast. We make fasting a substitute for obedience. See, the way it was for these folks, again, just a kind of a normal day. And, you know, when we fast, we tend to get a little bit more uh, irritated. This is how it was with them. Not only did they get irritated, but they took it a step further. They exploited their workers. They quarreled. They were filled with strife. And then it got so bad, they started striking each other with fists, right? They were so irritated, so agitated, but they didn't just stop there. They didn't rein it in. They didn't restrain it. They let it give, uh, give birth to something even more. And they started fighting with each other. You imagine walking on the street and these guys are fighting. Hey, hey what's up with those guys? Oh, nothing. They're just fasting. They're just fasting for Jesus. Yeah, it makes sense doesn't make sense. For them, that's all that fasting was like, you know what? I shouldn't be fighting, but I'm going to fight with my, I'm going to fight with them. Just as long as I'm fasting, it's okay. Maybe some of us are like that. We've got these sins in our lives. We've got these vices in our lives. And instead of turning these things over to God in obedience, we say, I'd rather fast because that's a little bit easier. Or we fast as a way of atoning for the mistakes that we've made. So, yeah, I've done a lot of things wrong, 
But maybe if I fast, if I withhold certain things, I can get myself back up to speed with God. Say, no, that's not what it's about. That's not what it's about. Fasting is never a substitute for obedience. It is an expression of obedience. We know this is true in every context, in any relationship. You've got, you've got a, a, a boyfriend or girlfriend, for example. I, uh, again, about seven of our couples went, joined with 250 other couples in the air. If we can to remember. Married couples, pre-married couples, people, couples who wanted to get married. Some of them were doing really well. Some of them were in bliss. Others, then their marriage is about to fall apart. So say there's a couple there and, I don't know, they're uh, on their last straw. It's been like 20 years and they've been completely discontent with each other. Man feels like, uh, I don't like this girl because she's mean to me. And the, the, the woman says, I don't like this man because he's bad and he doesn't treat me well. And, and the whole time we've been together, he's, uh, he's dated like 50 other girls and uh, all, you know, all this stuff. It's just silly, silly stuff, bad stuff that should be in no relationship. So they go this weekend to remember, and he feels convicted that, hey, uh, yeah, things need to change here. I need to show you how much I love you. And so he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go buy you a $15 billion diamond ring. She's like, okay, that's pretty cool. And so he goes and he buys this $15 billion diamond ring, and he gives it to her, and he says, here, honey, I love you. And she says, well, thank you so much, and she puts it on, and and he's like, I'll, I'll see you uh, later on tomorrow. He's, she's like, where are you going? He's like, I'm, I'm going to meet lover number 48. He's like, what are you talking about? I thought things were different. He's like, things are different. I gave you this ring. This is $15 billion here. What do you think she would say? Do you think she would take it? Uh, she'd take the ring and she'd leave probably, but she wouldn't take that. That's not – your sacrifice is not a replacement for your obedience. This is what Samuel would say to Saul in 1 Samuel, isn't it? He said, to obey is better than sacrifice. I would much rather you live a day-by-day life of obedience than for you to do this great big one-shot thing and say, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to go live the way that I want to live. He said, I would rather you live in day-to-day faithfulness to me and not fast at all than for you to fast and say, I'm going to live however I want to live. Samuel says to obey is so much better than sacrifice. Keith Green wrote a song. Do you remember that song? To obey is better than sacrifice. I don't need your money. I want your life. I think that's what God is saying too. He said for those of us fasting coffee, it's, you know what? I never wanted your coffee. I wanted your heart. That's what I wanted. I never wanted your soda. I don't need soda. But you take that soda and the money you would have used to buy soda and you give it to me. That's cool, but I don't need that. I wanted your life. That's what I've always wanted. That's what I've always wanted. I don't want your sacrifice. I don't want you to do these things. That's not what I want. I want you to walk with me. I want you to love me. I want you to obey me. That's what honors me. To obey is so much better than sacrifice. You know why? Because you give your sacrifice to God. And to think that that honors him, Isaiah would go on to say, your, your, your righteous acts, your sacrifice, your fasting, you know what that is before God? 
because you're stained by sin and your motives are impure. These are filthy rags. It's like saying, God, here, I've got this amazing thing, my fasting, and you give it to him, and then, push, it turns into filthy rags. It turns into dirty diapers. And I was like, I don't want that. I don't want your sacrifice because your sacrifice is stained with sin. Because your sacrifice devoid of obedience is completely devoid. Your sacrifice without obedience is completely empty. Like your sacrifice, the sacrifice of a sinner to atone for a sinner's sins, not going to do you any good. It's just compounding that sin on top of each other. Here's what we really need. Here's what we really need. We need one who's going to come and who's going to make a sacrifice for us. Who makes a sacrifice for us. That sacrifice is not just a rote and random sacrifice, but is marked by a life of obedience. That's why we say that Jesus saved us as much in his death. I'm sorry, as much in his life as he did in his death. Jesus, that, that, that six hours one Friday was painful. It was excruciating, but it was the 33 years of his life that made that sacrifice powerful and worthy and acceptable before God. In those 33 years of life, if he had just one time, one time decided, I'm going to choose something other than God, then that sacrifice would have been completely nullified. It would have been a sinner's sacrifice. But the reason why we can stand and say, I fast and God hears me, even in my broken fasting, even in my dirty fasting, the reason why God hears me is because there was another sacrifice that came and opened the door for us. Sacrifice that Christ made for you and for me as much in his life as he did in his death. He says, now I have nailed open the doors to heaven so that when you fast, God hears you. So that when you fast, you have been granted access to the throne room of heaven, that all the treasures of God are available to you. Right? So as we continue in this time, I may be, you feel like my fasting has been misguided. My fasting has been a fasting that has dishonored God. He says, here's the hope. Don't stop doing it. He says, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. But here, learn the kind of fast that honors God, that is acceptable to God, that God delights in, and move forward in this kind of fasting. Let's pray together. Let's uh, think about how we've been as we've, as we've been fasting these past few weeks. Maybe for some of us, our eye has not been on loving God more, but it's on impressing people. Let's take a moment to confess that to the Lord and say, God, I'm sorry. I've complained to you and asked you why my prayers are not being answered when it is me and my heart that has been faulty. Forgive me for seeking And longing for the praise of man more than longing for more of you. Forgive me for that. Maybe others of us, in our fasting, we've dishonored God because we've made it more about food or more about other things than we've made it about him. And we've forgotten about God, even though we said that it's for him. Let's ask the Lord that he would forgive us and that he would change our hearts so that we would want to want more of God. And then for others of us, maybe for us it's been we have been living a life of godlessness and sought to make up for it simply by fasting something and saying, there, now 
I'll be acceptable before God. And we need to throw ourselves upon grace all over again. God, I'm not saved because of my sacrifice. I'm saved because of the sacrifice of another, the perfect lamb of God who did it all for me. Let's take some time to come before the Lord and confess our sins to him. But God, change me, mold me. I don't want to go through the motions only to realize at the end of it all, I have dishonored you. I don't want to go through and have the art and everyone look at me and applaud me only to realize that my heart is so far from you. But change me, Lord God, change me and mold me and break me so that I might become a man, a woman, a young man, a young woman who would honor you in my fasting and in my life. So let's take some time to come to the Lord in prayer and just ask that he would change us and mold us and help us to fast in a way that would honor him. So let's pray together for a couple of moments. As we prepare to come to the Lord's Supper as well. Let's just camp out on that last part. In what ways have we been disobedient to our God? In what ways have we turned to other things, to idols, in order to satisfy the longing in our soul? What ways have we been, not only in fasting, but it relates to all of our lives, to worship, the quiet time, to devotion, the prayer? In what ways have we gone through the motions and given God the outside, the practice, but not the inside, the purpose? What ways have we been just whitewashed tombs that look good outwardly, but inwardly are so far from Him? What ways have we outwardly rejected God? shook a fist at him in defiance in running to other things let's fall on grace again this morning and ask God that he would cleanse us that he would wash us that he would forgive us that he would make us clean through the blood of Christ so that we could understand the powerful work of the cross all over again so let's take some time to repent examine our hearts so that we might approach the Lord's table in a manner worthy of the gospel. Let's take some time to continue in prayer and confession.
Father in heaven, we confess to you our unfaithfulness before the lover of our soul. Confess how we have thought that we could fool you by living however we want to live and then coming to worship on Sunday and lifting our sin-stained hands. Forgive us for thinking that we could trick you into thinking that just because we're fasting something important to us, that it could cover up for our disobedience in other areas of our lives. God, how much we need this table of grace. How much we need the blood of Christ to wash us, to cleanse us, to restore us to a right place in our relationship with you. So, Father, we thank you for the grace that was poured out on Calvary and that continues to be poured into our lives to those who by faith draw near. And so we thank you and pray that you would help us to realize the power and the purpose, the pursuit of God in fasting as we, as we change so that our hearts might be transformed so that we might do it in a manner worthy of the Lord. We thank you. We love you and we pray these things in Christ's name.